0: You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network.
1: Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her guests from around the world will read and discuss various best-selling books with well-known authors. Every show will apply retention techniques designed to help you to absorb powerful knowledge to effectively change your life. Join us every week for a thought-provoking hour and re-listen as often as you can. You will be delighted by what you learn, and you will be excited by the results. Are you ready to take the Quantum Leap?
0: This is Quantum Leap Book Club. Our regular host, Parisha, will not be joining us tonight as she is travelling and teaching. So her co-hosts will cover tonight's material. Our co-hosts are Geraldine Delby-Ball, environmental biologist from Sydney, Australia. Rosemary Heyer, English teacher working with children in Frankfurt, Germany. And Dr. Joyce Mullenhauer, Doctor of natu- Naturopathy in Kingman, Arizona, and myself, a psychologist from Melbourne, Australia. We've got an awesome book this these next coming weeks, as we always do, so I'm super excited to be here um, and sharing this with you. So our book this week is by Dr. Joe Dispenza. We're in chapters three to five, so we'll be discussing pages 53 to 120 tonight. We're broadcasting through Law of Attraction Radio Network. So let's begin. So I know you guys are also enjoying this book as much as I am, and there's lots to discuss and talk about. We can have Rosemary also chat about Chapter 3 and what are some of the highlights and the things that stand out to you and how it's affecting your life, all those things. would be great to hear a bit more, and I'm not sure if you could handle your sound situation. That would be great. how about you jump on
2: rosemary yeah Um, well she was just talking about the cycle of uh, thinking and feeling and i think that's really important that we are understanding that but um what i really like is that he finally uh, blows out this idea that positive thinking is is not working it is not working and and i have uh, myself noticed that that the mind tries to be positive you can talk positive you can think positive but the signals we're sending out are not positive you know the frequency the beingness because the body is holding on to the old stuff and and wants to play out its negativity so positive sending is definitely not working and um I find that there's a really interesting uh, chapter or uh, story I recommend everybody to read about guilt because that's where he really uh, in detail explains the process of how the body is controlling the mind. And I don't know if you are familiar with the things, but the body does attack you actually, you know, through the mind and it will quickly manipulate you into getting out of it, talking you out of it. So, for example, you know the familiar. Oh, I'm too tired today. Let's start tomorrow. Or this doesn't feel right. Or then comes then comes the worst thing. You will never change. You a failure. And I recently was having that myself I, in that direction. I was just starting a new uh, project. I was envisioning, and I became aware how I was talking myself out of it. I mean, the process was. Uh, uh, I was saying things like oh this is too hard and is this the right thing for me you know maybe there's something better or something different and and it was very clear that my body was resisting this and sending me this chatter because I was holding on to feelings and thoughts that were absolutely not congruent with my vision I had uh, placed. so, so I had to have to go back to the process of changing the body and that's what we are talking about in this chapter. Um, one of the main uh, points he's making, and that's important, is that feelings and emotions are a chemical record of our past experience. So they're based actually on the bio- biochemical parts of our body, the cells which are fat. And that's actually, uh, I don't know if Geraldine wants to jump in, but that's the part where we talk about that that the body is actually Um, swimming in biochemical uh, molecules, which represent guilt or shame or anger or sadness, if we are keep thinking that and have that kind of mindset. So we are living from the past. Our body is a biochemical reaction from past experience, and we, we think guilt, we think uh, all kinds of shame and unworthiness is coming up. And, and we are really uh, not able to control this with our mind, because what he says uh, is uh, this is a state of being we are in when we're living out of the past. And I feel that is, for me, the most important thought I got from this chapter, and um, I recently got for myself also. You cannot overcome this state of being by simply drawing up an exciting future and by meditating over your vision boards or your ideal scene. And I see that a lot. People just jump into these meditations, and they want to do their future, and it's not working. Because the body wants still the familiar, the addictive, the chemicals, the old, old thing, the same old, the same old, because we are addicted to it. And what happens is, as I shared before, we, we're starting to talk ourselves out of it. And um, I think that, that we need to be aware also that um, it is important to mentally rehearse our uh, desired event. Well, we do that, yes. But also it is important, I feel, to rehearse who you are when this event happened. So how do you feel? How do you think? How do you act? Let's say you want to win the lottery and you made it. You got the good news. You know, now it's important that you rehearse consistently how you're feeling, thinking and acting when this event is happening. So actually your body lives already the event and you are actually uh, changing uh, the chemical setup of the body. And the feelings could be grateful, you have your elevated emotions like grateful, blessed, joyful, excited, it's very important that you are actually rehearsing these emotions. And um, also I feel it is important that when we need to change our emotions, we cannot change it by sodomone because the body is conditioned and we have to change the body and overcome the body. So, and uh, at the end of the chapter, he's kind of summarizing what he has said. And uh, there's more in part three of the book where we actually practice this, but basically um, what he's saying is that we first need to rehearse the desired event or outcome or change which we want. And then we feel the elevated emotions. So first we have the thoughts, electrical, we have talked about that, it attracts it. And then we feel the, elevate, elevate, excuse me, the elevated emotions in the event now. So that's the feelings, magnetic, they are attracting the event. And by that, by rehearsing that, we change our body chemistry because we have unwired and rewired our brain, and so the body chemistry gets changed through the brain. And when we have, uh, the, when the body experiences a desired event, it is also changed; it is actually chemically changed, and. For example, it's really important to rehearse exactly how you are. I remember when I, when I was doing my walking meditation and creating my trip to Egypt, I was actually feeling how I was pulling that board case through the airport and uh, how I was hearing the rollers squeaking and how I felt my clothes and especially how I felt the jubilation and the joy that I made it that I really was on my way to Egypt. Now, when you do all that, and there's more details in the book later in other parts, the desired events finds you, you attracted to you. It comes to you. What you're seeking seeks you. And it will come, that's important, in a very unexpected way and uh, very unusual. You cannot figure it out and you never think about the how, never. That's taking you out right away. Only the what. So we need to stay open for the unknown and let go of control to make things happen. And that's what I want to share for right now. And maybe Geraldine can add more. Thank you. Thanks, Rosemary. Yes. So we're talking about overcoming your body.
1: And the key part to this is knowing that a thought creates a thing when it's inside your body. This is so, so simple and so profound. And I found when I read it, years ago, it was one of the things that helped most because we already have understanding in terms of how we give up or move away from addictions like nicotine or move away from addiction, like having sugar. We know that our body creates the craving for it. And when we know that, we also know that it's not our body telling us we feel like a cigarette or we feel like, um, you know, a chocolate eclair because those things are good for us. We know that it's there because our bodies have become addicted to it. Now it's an easy step to then realise through the book, and I highly suggest having a look at their diagrams as well, because when you have a look at that, then you can just transpose this concept and have the knowledge that when we think something, we're also creating a substance in the body, and that's this big part called think, called feeling, really to thinking and thinking to things. So when we have a thought, that thought becomes a thing and it does this by moving through different parts of our bodies and let's say uh, one of the things is we've had a thought, he has an example about someone having a, a thought about a sexual experience Uh, I can share a specific one where I was walking in the Annapurna circuit. Everything was just beautiful, no reason to feel stress about anything, and I started thinking about the sorts of things I should tell my mother-in-law, which I I really like her. And so on the next number of uh, (laughs) many kilometres up and down mountains, I was thinking how I'd say it like this and how I'd say it like that, and I could feel the chemistry coming up. And when I got to the hut that night, Then I had a laugh at myself because I realised I had created all of this chemistry that I was used to from being in a work environment where I had given myself a whole lot of sort of adrenaline and things needed to do. This was the closest story I could start recalling and working out and it sounded perfectly logical that I should kindly and compassionately think about how I would lay it all out and how I'd include it and that was what we're looking at here the neuropeptides in action, I had my cells were saying, we're not feeling how we're used to feeling. So we want you to feel like that. Here's a good story. And so I went along with that. There was absolutely nothing in that external environment, but majesty and peace and expansiveness. And here I was in my head, which is why I could go and laugh about it. Thanks to understanding this book. And the words of Grandmother parisha when she would say to us over the years, who's talking? Who's talking? And in this case, we can understand that it's the body talking because the external environment of the cells has receptor sites for, as we said, thoughts go to things. These things are generally called ligands. A ligand is like a key and your cell has many locks on it. When that key goes into the lock, voila, we've started a whole process. And that when I say voila, (laughs) that's actually now accessing the centre of the cell and the DNA and turning on the recipe book to go and make whatever it may need to make. In this case, it may make what's called a neuropeptide. Now that's another substance that then moves through the body via the blood. The brain is directed, the cells are directed to make this particular neuropeptide. It moves through the blood where it gets its specific tissue or gland, and when it's there, it triggers the production of a hormone. Now, we know people say, oh, you know, they were grumpy, their hormones must have been this, or someone was in their menstrual cycle, they must have felt like that, or teenagers are hormonal. So we know there's general acceptance that hormones then can influence our feeling and our behaviour. We can do that in a millisecond based on our thought, becoming a thing, going to our brain, making a neuropeptide come out, that neuropeptide going through our body with blood, you can feel it. And then there's an outcome, responding to that hormone. It's that process then, thinking and feeling, and to change it, here's the key, and I'm going to end on this one, all of this, if you can think greater than you can feel. And for me, it was that little moment in Nepal where I got to the hut and I realised what I had done. I was then able to think. Instead of being in the feeling of all this stuff I was working out, I could think and go, this isn't how it is. I've just created that whole drama and I can let it go. So remember the words from Grandmother Parisha, who's talking? Be able to enter your own subconscious because that's where you change it.
0: Great. Thank you. That was really good. Um, So this takes us now to chapter four, which is all about overcoming time. So just on the back of what Rosemary and Geraldine are talking about, really what we're saying time is, is actually thought. And he's talking about how we get locked into thought or time by past experiences. And therefore, because we think about the past and we go over the past experiences, we're actually locked into the past. And by being going over past experiences, then we're recreating those past experiences into the future. And I want people to feel like this is like, um, I want people to be kind to themselves through this whole process and not to develop like a, a story about how bad they are because they can't overcome feelings and all of that. Like, I want people to understand that this is chemically arranged within our system but there's even in understanding this this is why I love this book so much you get the science so that by knowing the science you can actually equally use how this nervous system works what feels like against you can and you can make it work for you and so what happens for people is that when you have an event in the past it could be a big emotional event like he's talking about you come home and you see your dog dead, but you know, people have had all sorts of experiences. You can think about any event in your past that you remember would have had an emotional impact on you. And some of those events really like store, like you, you're almost using them to inform your future so that you don't have to go through them again, or you can protect yourself somehow from them. And a lot of events that really stick around also have a really charged uh, belief attached to them. So, Maybe it's like you have a car accident. And now you think, oh, cars are a bit unsafe or I've got better watch out or you had a nasty partner and now you think, mm, I don't know about um, relationships. Maybe I better be super careful when I'm meeting people and maybe I better not let them in too close now. And, and so you use these um, experiences that have an, or have an emotional charge on them. They also get a belief attached to them. Like maybe the world isn't quite as safe or people aren't quite as trustworthy or something. And then we use that to then determine our future. And so these these things are very easily stored in the nervous system. So you could be walking past somebody else's dog and you you have an emotional charge stored in your unconscious, in your body, mind about dogs, cause you lost your dog. And now you see this cute dog and just that by that trigger alone could bring up the chemistry of the past. And just by bringing up the chemistry of the past, we're now living in the past, unfortunately. So now by the law of quantum physics, we're gonna keep creating maybe a slightly different story, but basically the same story into our future. If we're relying and using that, any of those emotions of the past So it's this really tricky dilemma where we need to actually come into the present moment, not just logically or consciously, but actually bring the body with us into the present and surrender. And um, recently I had this experience where I was, um, I had called some electricians to the house to wire up this heating system that I was getting done and they were putting ducts in the house, uh, in the roof and we were short by a couple of meters of ducks. So I had to go, It was for a country property, I had to drive an hour. And when I went into town, there was no shop had them. Like there was a shortage everywhere of this duck. Then we only needed a couple of meters. So I'm a pretty controlling person when it comes down to it sometimes, or I'm pretty determined might be another way to say it. And I really like, I'm like, I'm getting these ducks. Like I'm not driving an hour unnecessarily and I have electricians waiting at my house I'm going home with these things. So um, in that sort of like determined, controlling way, I rang every place and I tried to negotiate. Some places had them, they wouldn't give them because they were already assigned to other jobs. Like I rang every place in town, nobody had them. And I'm like, okay, I'm going home without them, I guess. So then I drive past this um, shop and I thought, look, it's probably, you know, who knows? Nobody gave me them as a recommendation that they would have these particular things I was looking for. But I thought, I'll give it a go. So I sat up front of the shop and I rang them from in I rang them from the car just to see if they had them because I couldn't. And um they were like, oh no, sorry, we don't have those things. And then there was this moment I just went, I was about to drive off and I went, surrender. I just surrendered. And that second I did that. I just let go and I just saw myself with the ducks. I let go. And the lady's like, oh, hang on a minute. Wait a second. Let me go check. And she she comes back and goes, Oh, I've got exactly three meters. And I'm like, oh, perfect. I'll be in in a second. And I got out of my car and I went and got them. And I thought, oh, that's an example. When I let go of control, like, and just be in the moment, new moment, new, new chemistry, then the universe instantaneously responded and i know we've all had those moments but when you start linking it to the work and linking it to what joe's talking about here it gives feedback that this works and the key is getting out of any idea of history like other experiences i might have had not getting something or really pushing 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 until i get it like you know the school of hard knocks like you just Soldier on stressed until you get something to make it happen. And it's like it's only when I let go of all of that it happened. So that's you know powerful when you think about it. But the trick is not letting the past emotions, what we believe, is like what we know and understand from our past experience to actually predict our future. And so he is talking about being greater, as as Rosemary and Geraldine were talking about, being greater then your environment being greater than time being greater than all these things means actually drop it all and don't let it determine your future this is a new moment and be present in this one just because your last dog died at you know six months of age who knows your next dog might last till they're 20 we don't know you surrender we don't know every experience is a new one and has a new story attached to it as long as we don't bring that old chemistry to it. Because the same principle that would create a new reality based on all beautiful things is the same principle that would create a new reality based on old chemistry of all painful things. It's all the same principle. It's just how do we apply that principle? So that's what I had to share about time chapter and i know joyce is next up for chapter five what have you got to share i
3: sure am and i've had an interesting time with this chapter a couple of things have happened for me i recognize because and as we've spoken on the show this isn't the first time through this book and at my first couple of of ec- journeys i guess would be the word through studying this book was Dr. Joe gives so much information from every angle he proves what that this all works and why it works, but i had I realized I had lost myself and thinking I needed to be able to spout for all those details. so I got to some of the basics today, studying the survival versus creation, and it 's easy enough to recognize that A deer that's grazing peacefully in the forest suddenly has a predator chasing and runs and gets away from the predator, goes into stress, and then is easily able to return to balance when there's no risk anymore. So I I began to see that we as humans, actually, there's a positive place there for us too. As a child, we learn that if we touch something hot, we burn our finger. So we no longer touch something hot or we as an adult we're hiking and we come to a cliff we know we don't want to step off the cliff so we step back so that stress response serves us in those moments but what is a disadvantage for us as human beings is that we have a memory so when we have a traumatic experience like some of the ones Marianne has talked on just now is we remember all the emotional. We have all those chemicals going back through our body, even though this is a long time past. And we actually create things that weren't even true in the past. So there's just such an absurd, I think is the word, overreaction and a, a lack of awareness. So this, this particular chapter helps lead us to recognize okay there is some purpose to having some survival reactions but the creative aspect is what we all want to go for and we're capable of that so one of the recognitions i i reach reading this again today was just take the example of resisting getting out of bed in the morning so maybe you feel like you didn't get enough sleep or maybe something hurts in your body, or maybe you have some difficult situation you have to deal with. So you you let your mind and your emotions take the control and you don't, uh, uh, let's hope this doesn't happen often in your life. But anyway, if you allow your emotions to have control, then maybe you'll stay on a bed. But if you decide to go into the creative mode and say, no, this doesn't have to be. I can do it differently today. So you get out of bed, even you don't, maybe you really deeply would like to stay there and you get in motion and just the sheer act of getting in motion makes the whole difference. And you start getting into the creative mode. So in this chapter, Dr. Joe explains exactly what it all is and how it happens. And he encourages people to go back to his book, Evolve Your Brain, because he talks a lot more detail about it so that you can totally understand what's different between living as survival and living as creative. And there's actually a chart at the end of this chapter that I realize is a perfect base for journaling, because if you are having a difficult time creating questions to ask yourself, why is this not working? It works for everybody else. Well, I come, but it doesn't work for me. Just even starting at that point, you can start unraveling some of the answers and then you can shift into it is working. I see the difference. And he he describes a person called Bill who actually had a tumor fall off his leg. And this man identified all the resentment moments he had in his life. And he he started to, become aware of, even the awareness is a huge first step, he became aware of what he was resenting and realized this wasn't getting him where he wanted to go. So he stopped a lot of his negative thoughts. And then he had a whole new energy, a whole new focus. And much to his amazement and the amazement of everybody in his life, the tumor actually fell off his leg. So that's an amazing story, an amazing example. If he can do it, we can do it. And that's what I'd like to leave you with at the moment.
0: Thank you, Joyce, that was great. And actually I had a client recently who um, had been diagnosed, like I'd started seeing him already because he'd had cancer. He'd gotten over, he'd gotten over it through treatment. But he didn't have this, oh, well, my life is different because I've had cancer experience. He just felt like a bit humdrum still. So he came to therapy to kind of get his passion back for life. So we'd been doing some work. And then in the course of therapy, he he found out he had stage four cancer again for the second time. And um, he, I put him on to Joe's book, this book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And along with a whole lot of other things like, other health practices he did he actually started he just started meditating on changing that emotional chemistry of who he was before and he started practicing the new him the new him was excited about life the new him was happy the new him was healthy the new him had lots of time with his family like this new him didn't stay in jobs he wasn't happy in he was he quit his job straight away And he just started practising from morning to night who he is as a happy, healthy, whole human. And within about four months of that, no, five months of that original diagnosis, he came back to me the other day and he says he's 100% cancer clear, which is super exciting. Out of stage four. And and not only is he cancer clear, he realises that through this work, he could create anything. Because if he can create a healthy body, from that state he can create anything you know he's got the tools to create anything and the and these are everyday this is an everyday person this is you and me this is what we're all capable of simply with the practice and I notice people really driven by I might die by extreme events are the ones that are super motivated to do the work and I think it's a bit of a take-home for all of us like Well, why wait for that? Why wait for stage four cancer? Why wait for things to really fall apart at home or in any other way to actually start creating the life through the emotional chemistry that we can determine through our own imagination and practice that we want? Like, why wait for crisis? And I think that's the invitation for everybody living an okay life. Like, we're okay, we're good, like, we're not bad, we're not terrible we're all right but are we brilliant are we super excited to get out of bed or do we just get out of bed because it's another day anyway that's an invitation for everybody um what do you guys want to share I'm sure there's heaps more there is so much in these chapters like you could take one paragraph and digest it for days so um, who else has something to share
2: yeah, I would like to add something to that. I'm really appreciated that you shared this, Marianne, because I think that's so powerful. And I just want to just say a little hint that, that there's hundreds and hundreds of testimonials like this on YouTube where people use that material of Dr. Joe and change themselves. And they did not do that in the intensive, which he offers. They really did it just like this guy at home by themselves. And, and it is possible to change. And in regarding to the body change, he's also mentioning the epigenetics. And uh, I think this is really exciting that he says, we can actually even change our genes, the function of our genes, <clears throat> excuse me, not the DNA, but the function of our genes when we change our cells. And as we heard before, the cells are, are need to be relieved from the biochemical molecules of our negativity and our difficult emotions. And once we change our cells, they are also um, um, changing the genes or the function of the genes and new proteins are created. And um, I think this is really amazing how much, you know, just by your thought alone, you can make a, a huge change because continuous stress and especially continuous feeling of anger and guilt and sadness also does influence in the other way around the genes and causes and some of the, you know, diseases we just heard and, and changes the body. So uh, it's amazing how even our DNA is uh, advanced or enhanced with this work.
0: Yeah. I found that really interesting in the book, how he was talking about the people with diabetes who um, one group um, watched a boring lecture, and the other group watched a comedy. And not only did their insulin not go, the people that watched the comedy, their insulin didn't go up anywhere near as the as the others who were watching a boring lecture. They were they didn't need the extra insulin. They found, like you were saying, Rosemary, that the whole, there was actually genetic changes just in an hour of comedy, which I thought was amazing. That the genetics. It genetic expression changed and so that helps me understand how someone can heal cancer in a flash because the genetic expression change with the gen- with the chemistry with the different emotions that pump that were pumping through the system
2: and, and on a personal level that healer really hits home because i was just recently uh, diagnosed with a little bit too much high blood pressure and that runs in my family and i thought what kind of thought patterns and feelings you know does the generation before me have so because i'm picking up the same genetic makeup right now you know and so if you have like most people say that you know well yeah it runs in my family they all have diabetes and they all have that well that is actually where you can uh, you know where i can make a change in my genes now and um not in my genes in my genes you know <laughs> and I can make a change in there and 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 I have an idea what kind of thought patterns were in my generation before which caused that nearly everybody in my mother's side had some heart problems and died from it so so it's really it is it is really very powerful thank you
0: thank you and Joyce what did you want to share
3: yes what I wanted to share was I I Many times we're not aware of what we have at our disposal as our allies. And our frontal lobe is one of those. Our frontal lobe is our creative center. And by making full use, and again, I encourage people to go to Evolve Your Brain because you can get in his book, in that book, as well as in this book, the information that I believe just is exciting is inspiring, is gives us, uh, takes away some of our excuses. Because if we have this powerful ally whose role is creativity, and we can take control of the frontal lobe and make the best use of it, then we have the advantage of knowing we can move in a new direction and change. So it's covered in this piece at chat looked at closely today Mm,
0: yeah powerful and and it also reminds me of often the practice that grandmother parasha has given all of us and i've given many clients with great success is the the power of journaling and and almost do that conscious streaming journaling where you just let it flow through and um, i've found a, a really good way of getting in touch with what are those programs in the body the stored story about you know that you know maybe on a surface level I look like I've got it all together and I'm super happy and everyone thinks wow what a good life she has but then privately there's a a chemistry there that doesn't match what people are seeing and then just by tuning into the body and journaling it away or you can actually get conscious of of what is that program and then you can actively go after it just the power of observa- observation starts to shift it itself and then you can actively go after it with the tools um, of recreating your reality through, you know, being greater than your environment through conscious awareness and the frontal lobe that Joyce is um, sharing. Yeah. What did you want to share, Geraldine?
1: Yeah, a key... When you spoke about tools then from Grandmother Parrish another one is that what we call the demo kit. And I highly recommend... Uh, grabbing this it can be get a little a little material or a little bag or something and put in it some symbols and then you're able to take these concepts that we're talking about right now and demo them which means do a demonstration so it might be that you get a big piece of paper and you draw a cell with little hungry mouths for different things at the edge maybe it's the mouth that's um got adrenaline or maybe whatever it is that something you can relate to, and then have a little, like a piece of Lego, something that you move around and you either feed that receptor or you don't. And you can demo that so you can see it outside of your body, really see what's going on. Have it that you start to draw that cell with less receptor sites or, or create a little cell out of something, create a circle and, and have these little receptor sites on the outside and start peeling them off demonstrate it to yourself and to get the understanding how does that look how do these little things look like on the outside these receptor sites and then here comes my thought it's now become a thing that thing's now locked in now what happens okay now this has moved to a part of the brain that's created another substance now it's moving through the blood now it's influencing my tissues and my glands and making a hormone Act it out. So demonstrate it. So that's a tool. I would say go to Chapter 3, look at the pictures, get yourself something physical, plasticine, clay, whatever you need, demonstrate it so you can see it. Because then when you're talking to yourself about the change, you'll have a real understanding, like a tangible understanding of what's going on in your cells to be able to change it. That links to another thing that Uh, Grandmother Parish is always, again, it's that responsibility and to look at that word to respond with ability. So, if you demo this and have what's been shared today and in this book in general, you can then respond with ability. Like I mentioned, that time in Nepal where I was able to have a laugh. Due to this book, I was able to then respond differently and change that. So, it's not always there. And this leads to the next point. (laughs) Sometimes, As Marianne said, you know, you can think everything's going well on the outside and everyone says, oh, yeah, that's really good. If you're finding trouble identifying what are these areas to change because you've habituated it so much you almost believe the external feedback rather than those quieter moments and maybe you don't allow yourself even to have those quiet moments, to have the different feeling. Something I've noticed is if something annoys me in somebody else, I know there's a button there that's my own. So that's another tool that you can have. The journaling is really highly, highly recommended. And if you just need a quick check on yourself, if you've noticed and gone, oh, you know, then say, oh, gee, what's actually, is this true? This sentence that I've made up about that other person, could that be true of me as well? And if you're a good friend to someone, see if you can make an agreement that. If you notice them saying something all the time, whether it be they say sorry to everybody or whether whatever it might be, or say, oh, I'm so clumsy, I'm so clumsy, I'm always in accidents. Whatever someone says all the time, see if you can have a little chat first and say, would you mind if I notice some of these things um, that I just ask? Is that really what you meant to say? Something like that. Don't tell them, but ask them. And have it as an agreement back for you as well. It might be something that you don't do in public. Whatever your agreement is, have it because a good friend is someone who knows that you're on that journey to uncover these subconscious things and help release them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it just reminded me to say one other thing is that when, you have, when we have an emotional response within it, if you want to find things to really get conscious and get out of that autonomic nervous system, It's within an emotional response is a belief system. And so let's say you feel fear about something or somebody's triggered something, you could tune into that emotion and really sit with the emotion, let it come up really big. And within that, you can get the belief. And what you'll notice is that belief is what permeates lots of other areas of your life. Could be fundamental beliefs about worthiness, about safety, about power, There's pretty common beliefs that sit in a lot of human experience that, and those beliefs come from when we're younger, we interpret the world. We make a decision. Basically we make a decision. We make a decision about our worthiness based on how we're treated, how we've understood, how we've treated and how we've, how we feel. And so once you get to those decisions, we've made those beliefs, then you can do lots of work in re-scripting the belief and letting them go. So That's you can take that to the journaling, you know, but it's within the feelings you'll get to know what those big, bigger overriding beliefs are. And so that's just tuning into the body. It's all there, ready to let you know. Joyce, what did you want to share? I know you had your hand up there.
3: Yes. I'm really excited by what you've just talked about with journaling and what Geraldine has and Rosemary has. Uh, for, for a guide, and I just touched on this briefly earlier, on page 119, there's a column of survival aspects and there's a column of creation aspects. And I'm definitely one person who has, I guess I, the word would be struggled with thinking, I don't. I'm not even aware of what I want to change. So uh, what I would encourage people to do is to look at that chart and look down the survival list and see like there's one word there is problem. And the creation is to look for solutions. There's a word feeling separate and then not for solutions and creations is to feel connected. Those are two words that mean a great deal for me. There might be other words that you would really relate to. And I would start, encourage you if, if you are a person that's saying, I don't even know the thoughts that are causing this for me. Look at those words and ask yourself some questions about them and use the ideas that have just been shared here with our hosts, co-hosts, and see where it takes you. It's, It's quite exciting and opens up great windows of possibilities, which is what creativity is, tapping into the potentials and the possibilities.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for that. It just also reminded me another one of Grandmother Parish's teachings is to have us write love letters to ourselves. And it makes a lot of sense building up this loving relationship with ourselves and seeing us through the eyes of our own observer who loves us unconditionally, you know, and from this perspective of creating chemistry, we think, well, writing a love letter to yourself, you are actually inviting the chemistry of love chemistry of kindness and care and beauty and it is through the practice of bringing up that emotions those emotions and that chemistry that the body gets addicted to that chemistry like it would any other chemistry that it gets familiar so then the practice of um beautiful you know creating beautiful experiences with the self like you know, showering and really caring for the body and, and, you know, doing those sort of practices where you're just loving yourself moment by moment and having that beautiful relationship is this work. It is that. We are programming that as a habit by doing those practices that grandmother has shared. I know once she, she told me to um, look in the mirror really close and smile at myself. And put, you know, and you put your hand on your face and like really look into your eyes and smile beautifully at yourself. And after I did that for a while, I noticed that in that program, my brain with a smiling face looking back at me, and it really changed the wiring of my brain. Like it's something shifted after I'd done that for long enough. So, I mean, like I'm so grateful we've got this opportunity to share some of the things that grandmother over the years has given all of us because they are practices that are so in line with what the science that joe's been able to put together um, well you know that actually complements that science so that we can live this we can we can have health wealth and happiness in this life because that is our birthright who else wants to share (laughs)
1: I I have one, and it's I was just smiling there, thinking about what you just said, which is really lovely, and uh, it reminded me just quickly of a yoga move as well, which is about caring for oneself, and it's actually putting your hand up near your neck, which is quite a vulnerable place, really gently, and then putting the other hand on the side of your face, and they've shown how that really changes the chemistry as well, and that's um, it's just part of the care. Uh, but the the one I was going to. Uh, is when I used to teach biology at university for the medical students, and it was always interesting to be a bit of a bridge between the very mechanistic, our DNA is like this, this is what it does. And obviously that was a while ago before a lot of the information on epigenetics, epi being on top of, meaning there's information above the genetics. But what we used to talk about is the DNA like a massive recipe book with so many recipes inside it. But generally in your family, you, your parents and their grandparents and and on and on may have done spinach pie, paella, a a range of recipes that's normal for your family. That means within that whole massive recipe book, it's natural that you go to the go-to ones that you know and you're comfortable with. As Rosemary was sharing, high blood pressure was a particular recipe, let's say, that's gone. So when people say it's genetic, yes, it can mean that you have that particular recipe, but are you going to go to that recipe? Are you going to turn it to exactly the same page? Is that a learnt behaviour that you go to that particular recipe? You've got a whole smorgasbord worth of recipes in that DNA, So it's not making DNA bad or wrong or saying it doesn't influence things. It's just saying go beyond the normal couple that you go to. So if you can see DNA as a massive recipe book, you're now the chef. And that's when they say the ligand that influences what's coming into the cell, which influences what goes on in the cell. Be the chef who's choosing what page of that recipe book you're open to. And if you don't know exactly what it is, Just say I feel like um, really healthy, uplifting, whatever it might be. And as Marianne said, you can surrender and then see what's there as well with that. So Mm -hmm. DNA, so much more potential.
0: Yeah, I think these um, the identical twin studies are really interesting for that. Like why does one twin get cancer and the other twin doesn't? And, you know, they look at the lifestyle, the emotional chemistry of the person their exercise their eating habits their thinking habits and can really link it to that chemistry link it to the um, emotional environment the cells are in is the difference between genetic expression of any health condition that's in the family line and and not so there's lots and lots of good research and I think validating this information with any kind of science that you can find actually helps the brain believe it because and I think believing it for a lot of us Um, is an important step for actually doing this work of overriding the habitual addictive nature of emotions. We need to actually get, oh, I I know what's going on here. I can override this by a different action and thought and emotional chemistry. Yeah. We're coming to the end. Has has anybody got some closing statements they'd like to share?
3: I would. I would just like to elaborate on what you've just said, because we once we recognize this is in our control we can do something about it and get allow ourselves to feel so creative bound that there's nothing is going to stop us so that's just what I-
2: absolutely yes yeah i'd like well. to share that um that it's always amazing when you listen to the uh, testimonials of people who heal themselves that it only took about an average of six months, six months to heal yourself from cancer or or multiple sclerosis or whatever major thing, six to eight months. So it, it's not a huge, long task, you know, and how Dr. Joe says, you just take, have to take your time and do it, but it is possible. And it is pretty quickly possible to reach the goals you want to reach. Yeah. Quickly, if you do the big,
0: you know, conscious shift, the people I know have done it changed, changed their environment. They changed, They made changes, they made decisions to not be the same person. And then, and then it looked, some took a long, in my experience, some people took a long time, but uh, like five years or something, but it's as fast as you determine the change, I think, and as your nervous system can adapt to the process. Yeah, but it happens in a second as if you make a decision in a second. And I think it's also important to note that not everyone who's like, when you read all those testimonials with Joe, like a lot of people are making changes by never turning up to a workshop. They're just simply taking this book and applying it. I mean, everyone I know is also in therapy. So they are doing that work of getting a, a reflection and guidance of, you know, getting conscious of what is unconscious. And everyone I know doing that work are also doing that deeper emotional exploration work so, but I feel like you could do it through journaling. I think it does help to have a, another person to bounce off that is able to sit skillfully in the observer position with you. Definitely, yeah. If you want to speed it up, I reckon get reflection. What are your thoughts, Geraldine?
1: Uh, that was very related to what you just said in as much as a key take out from today for me is that importance of thinking and feeling greater than your environment. And as you said, Marianne, a lot of people completely changed the external world because they were completely changing their internal world. And I think for wherever we're at in life, whether we're doing complete change or even a small part of a change, it's that having what something looks like and feels like when it's ideal. So, And as Joyce said, there's questions in there. You can say, what, what do I look like when? And then make that. I look like that now. And so that's something that a a quick message that when should you do it? Do it any day. But one thing I found is to look at it at new moon and full moon because that's every two weeks. That means you don't put it off too long. On the new moon, have a look. How am I going? What am I putting into this next moon cycle? Two weeks later when it's full moon, celebrate whatever it is that you've done that moved you in that direction where you were greater than your environment. And so that's just a little suggestion. If you're not doing it daily, which is really good, at least get yourself checking in to new moon and full moon and move yourself to daily in terms of the reflection and the regrowth.
0: Very good. Well, it's time to conclude our studies and we thank you for sharing your time and energy with us. You matter and count. You always make a difference. We look forward to being, to you being with us next week as we make that leap to greater consciousness. Have a powerful a week and allow your light to shine and always all good things to you.
1: Thank you for listening to Quantum Leap Book Club. For more information where you can contact us, go to LOARadioNetwork.com forward slash quantum leap. Have a great week.